Game six of the Eastern Conference semifinals between Miami and Philadelphia coming your way here in just a couple hours. This is Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. Courtney Cronin sitting in for Chris Carlin today. I'm joined alongside the namesake of the show, Chris Canty. We are presented by Progressive Insurance. You can tweet to us. My handle at Courtney R. Cronin. Chris's is at ChrisCanty99, also at ESPN Radio. You can also join in the conversation on the CC call in line, 888-ESPN-888-888. 729-3776. I want to know, will Doc Rivers have a job tomorrow no matter what hap- if if no matter what kind of loss game 6 could potentially be for the Philadelphia 76ers? No, Chris, I'm not going ahead and giving Miami the edge here. We're going to get into that conversation <laughs> momentarily, but that's what we want to know from you on the CC call in line. If the Philadelphia 76ers are closed out tonight in game 6 at the hand of the Miami Heat, no matter whether it's a blowout loss or a close one, will Doc Rivers have a job going forward? That is what we are asking you on the CC call-in line. We also want to know, does Joel Embiid have to play at an MVP level in order for the 76ers to beat Miami? Going back to Game 5, Chris, 120-85, it wasn't mm. even close. The Miami Heat cruised in a game that the Philadelphia 76ers didn't show up in, didn't look like they really cared to be around. Joel Embiid playing with an injured face, a, a torn ligament in his thumb he didn't look like he wanted to be there particularly on the heels of the MVP news coming out so it begs the question about what the 76ers a need to do tonight to even out this series and force a game seven and b whether they can do that if Joel Embiid is not playing at a superstar level the way he did throughout the rest of this series well, the answer is no to the latter question. They, they can't win unless Joel Embiid is a force for them on both sides of the court. And I think what best reflects that point is what you saw in game four where Embiid dropped 15 of his 24 points in the first quarter. He was the one that set the tone, and he was the guy that they were double teaming at the end of the fourth quarter, which allowed James Harden to go off for 16 of his 31 points to close out that game. So, to me, Joel Embiid has to have that gravitational pull from the Miami Heat's defense in order to create opportunities for James Harden and all the other guys in the lineup. But the guys that I'm particularly looking at, Tyrese Maxey and Danny Green. And, Courtney, I think those guys are going to have to be knockdown shooters from the perimeter in order for – the Philadelphia 76ers to force a game seven against the Miami Heat because if they can't do that, if they can't show shades of what they did on the home rims in games three and four where they knocked out a combined 32 three-pointers, then I don't see a path to victory for them against the Miami Heat. I think this defense is just that good. So Joel Embiid has got to be great. And when I say great, I'm not saying he's got to go off for 40, but he has to be a force where he makes Eric Spolstra decide that they're going to have to account for him with two bodies that creates opportunities for all of those other guys. So that's what I'm going to be looking for. But it's a huge question mark on the whether or not the Philadelphia 76ers are going to show up with the requisite effort that it takes. <laughs> and that's probably the biggest surprise that I have for any team that's playing basketball this time of year. I, I just don't understand how your team is at a point where in the first half of Game 5, with the series tied 2-2, knowing how important Game 5 is because the winner of Game Five's in a tied series, wins 82% of the time, your head coach 
has to beg you on a timeout to give more effort. Courtney, there is a lot of things that Doc Rivers needs to be coaching in this series, but effort isn't one of them, and it's an indictment on not only the head coach, but the leadership in that locker room, and that's why I don't have a whole lot of confidence for them going into game six because the Miami Heat, there are a lot of things. You might not have the most talent on the court, but they work hard, they play all 48 minutes, and they're well coached. Those aren't characteristics that we can assign to the Sixers, which is why I don't trust them in this spot. See, I don't put the blame for the Game 5 loss as heavily on Doc Rivers because all sorts of adjustments, like you know what he did to get this team to this point when they were down in the series when Joel Embiid was not playing because of the fracture, his fractured orbital bone before he was able to come back, I feel like you kind of throw up your hands here and say, what more can I do? You can't force people to go out and play with effort. And we heard him in the huddle talking about how they were getting smoked on you know both ends of the floor and that they looked listless out there. They missed an opportunity, and I don't put that on Doc Rivers. While at the end of the day, we know most things, most mistakes, you know, most good things, bad things, whatever. They all fall on coaching, but I don't put that <laughs> on Doc Rivers. And it's funny because he talked before game six about how Game five that they had the other night was a carbon copy of what happened to them in game five of the first round series against Toronto. Like they came into that game ready to close them out and they got their butts kicked. And that's exactly what happened the other night in Miami when they could have taken advantage of a lackluster environment inside FTX arena for the first two quarters. And they didn't. They just looked like they weren't really interested in being there. And I feel like that's, you know, certainly a problem here for the Philadelphia 76ers in a potential closeout game tonight. You can't have that same sort of energy. You have to play hard. You have to play decisive, protect the defensive glass, and force turnovers. And you know what happens, Chris? When mm. you turn the ball over yourself, go get back on defense. Stop acting like this doesn't. This game doesn't matter. Go out there and play like you like everything's on the line because it is and you know you brought up a good point because in that game three win that they had over Miami when they got contributions from more than just Joel Embiid because it does feel like he doesn't have the supporting cast around him at a consistent level to not necessarily have to be Superman every single night in mm-hmm. game three Danny Green was seven and nine from three from three mm-hmm. point range They need those three-point contributions from him because they're not getting it anywhere else on on the roster. And I feel like that's where the crux of tonight, if they do end up winning this game, when we look back at the box score, we're going to see the contributions of a Tyrese Maxey, of a Danny Green, of a Tobias Harris, and everybody else getting it together around Joel Embiid. You know, can you expect that? Probably not going into it. Do you hope for it, though? (laughs) Yeah, you really do. No, you do hope for it, but I don't think you can expect it, especially coming off of the game five that that team had because, Courtney, you're talking about nine players playing double-digit minutes and only having three guys in double figures and none of them reaching 20 points. Mm -hmm. That's completely unacceptable. Like, you you didn't even try, and you're going on the road against the number one seed in the conference. All the momentum was with the Sixers. Now, I, I get your point in saying that Doc was able to get the team to rally in games three and four after going down 0-2. But I question how much of that was Doc and how much of that was Joel Embiid coming back and being back in home in your home facility. I, I just – I don't know that I can assign any level of credit to Doc Rivers for the complexion of this series. 
because it did seem like we were headed down the road of a blowout. And the fact that it's not, I think it's more of having Joel Embiid on the court and having him properly motivated as opposed to anything else. But the question I would have for Doc is, with the effort that you saw from your team in game five, you've got to make sure you push the right button so you get better effort in game six. Mm -hmm. Because we can't just heap all of the blame on the players. Some of it has to be on the head coach. As Bill Parcells used to tell us, you're either coaching it or you're letting it happen. It feels like with Doc Rivers, he's let a lot happen throughout the course of this playoffs. Like being up 3-0 and deciding that you were going to allow that series to get the six games with Toronto Raptors and Joel Embiid having an orbital fracture in that game six. Oh, by the way, that's on Doc Rivers. Like that's as much as on the coach as it is on the players. And it feels like there are a lot of throwaway games from the Sixers perspective where in actuality we're talking about the playoffs in every single one of these matchups matters. And, and Doc Rivers has had plenty of excuses when talking about blown leads uh, in the past throughout his career. He talked about it during the Toronto series. And, you know, it begs the question about will those same sort of excuses come out following game six if the Philadelphia 76ers are closed out. And that's something we're going to continue to talk about here on Canty and Carlin. How much of the outcome of game six will determine Doc Rivers' future in Philadelphia? Triple eight, say ESPN, eight 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 seven two nine. 3776 taking your calls on this later in the show but straight ahead switching gears to the NFL does AJ Brown Philadelphia Eagles new wide receiver make Philadelphia the favorite in the NFC East we'll discuss next here Canty and Carlin ESPN Radio ESPN app Hi, this is ESPN's Mike Greenberg, and ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sports book of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today, and new users get $100 in bonus bets for making any sports book bet. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. The Eagles have been attacking that position for the last several years. This is the biggest blockbuster draft day trade for a star veteran player that I've ever seen this team make, and I've been covering it for 30 years. This puts an enormous amount of pressure of a guy called Jalen Hurts, quarterback Philadelphia, because you do not sign off on a wide receiver the caliber of A.J. Brown. But this receiver right now is going to make you better. It's going to make Devontae Smith better. It's going to make this offense better. Philadelphia Eagles crushed it in the draft just a couple weeks ago. And in just under four hours, we find out the schedule that they will play in the 2022 season. It is schedule release day in the NFL. And this is Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80, and ESPN+. Plus. Courtney Cronin sitting in for Chris Carlin today, joined alongside Chris Canty. We are presented by Progressive Insurance. And turning our attention now to Lane Johnson, Philadelphia Eagles right tackle, joining us on the show. Lane, appreciate the time. Starting off with schedule release day, I know for a beat writer like myself, it's a big deal because I got to book my Marriott point, get my Marriott points, book my hotels, my flights, the whole thing. As a player, is it a big deal to you when the schedule comes out? Are you circling matchups? How does that work? Yeah, you can you can ask Chris. When Chris looked at the schedule, he's like, "All right, I got to go get this guard. I got to I got to go get these guys." That's what I'm doing. I'm looking at the DMs. I got to block. Uh, so yeah, really, <laughs> it's like you know, 17 prime time boxing matchups in a row. That's what you're, that's what it's like. So. 
But yeah, I think I believe we start off uh, with Detroit, and then so I'm thinking Aiden Hudson next week, Minnesota. I'm thinking Daniel Hunter, and then I just keep going from there. So that, that's that's my mindset. Yeah, no doubt, Lane. I remember those matchups between you guys. I'd always circle the Philadelphia Eagles because that was the week I had to go into the equipment room and get an extra neck roll. But one of the things, <laughs> one of the things that uh, I wanted to ask you about is everybody in the organization has seemed so supportive of Jalen Hurts, from ownership to general manager Howie Roseman. What's some of the growth that you've seen from Jalen Hurts in his first full season as a starter, and what are some of the things that you're looking forward to seeing him in his second full year as the guy under center? Yeah, well, I think uh, what you look at is how he ba- how he bounced back from adversity. You know, I think we started off two and five, two and six, and ended up making a run. And then the offense was based around running the football, play action, and so we, you know, we, we he has a lot of fight in him, and he has great leadership abilities and. I think with just the additions we made, having A.J. come in, you know, when, when he walks through the door, I'm thinking of an Anquan Bolden, A.J. Johnson type, you know, body type, physical presence out there. And he's just, he's just going to raise the level of everybody else across the board. They, they double-team him. Okay, Devontae's going to be a problem. Um, Quez, Dallas Goddard, you know, it really opens up the offense a lot. So, um, where we were a big threat last year in the run game, we can be a big threat uh, this year in the passing game. A.J. Brown agreed to a four-year, $100 million contract with the Philadelphia Eagles after he was traded in the middle of the draft from the Tennessee Titans. Lane Johnson, Philadelphia Eagles, right tackle, joining Courtney Cronin and Chris Canty here on Canty and Carlin. Lane, what was your reaction when you heard about the trade during the draft? Yeah, I was – I wasn't I wasn't surprised, but I was was just glad – I was just glad that we we got him, you know, having the – a guy like that is a dynamic. I mean, it is what it is. You, you get one of those guys. It's it's a dynamic guy that can change the game for you uh, in a lot of ways. So um, I'm excited about him. I'm excited about the guys we drafted on defense. I'm excited about our D line. Uh, I think we have a lot of guys that can uh, pose a lot of problems for guys. So you know, I'm, I'm excited about this about this year. <clears throat> you know, a lot of people like to hype up. You know, what a team's going to be. We don't know what that's what that's going to be like yet. But I can say from a talent perspective. Um, I feel like we're better off this year than maybe what we were last year. Lane, I tell you what, whenever you get done playing in the National Football League, you can walk into a job in media because you led me right where I wanted to go with my next question. What was your reaction when you saw Jordan Davis walk into the building? I haven't seen him, I haven't seen him yet because he was here briefly, but I, I was so glad when he drafted him because you don't know what type of mentality that is just for an old lineman to have somebody like that, that size and that speed out there. And then in the, in the addition with, you know, Javon Hargrave and Fletcher Cox in the middle. And then uh, the guys on the outside, Sweat, BG, Hassan Reddick, uh, Derek Barnett. You, you know, you can't have enough good pass rushers. I remember when you were at Baltimore, you had you on the inside. I believe you had Dumberville on the outside, who was mm-hmm. a, a problem for everybody to face. Uh, you can't get enough of those guys. You can't, and as you know, uh, getting quarterbacks off their game with pressures and getting hit, it, it's, you know, it's, it's one of the most – best things you can have on the team. So I'm, I'm truly excited about what they can do. And I think they're going to be a big problem for a lot of people. And, Lane, because of all of the offseason moves that the Philadelphia Eagles have made and the success that you guys had in Hurts' first year as the starting quarterback, everybody's putting expectations on you guys. A lot of people are picking you, to, me included, to win the NFC East. How is your team managing those kind of expectations going into 2022? Yeah, man. I mean, at the end of the day, you got to realize you got to attack it, and the coaches emphasize on this. All, all you can control is this practice, this meeting, what you're doing now, and try to 
limit your focus and, and, and narrow your focus. And so, like I said, just because you have a talented team doesn't doesn't really mean a whole lot. We got to come together now uh, and then training camp and and get these next few months uh, in a good direction and go from there. But yeah, really, um, you know, a, a lot of the toughest part of the season is, is the very beginning. You know, you have the training camp, you have a lot of expectations, and then once you get out of the first few games and you start rocking and rolling. But um, yeah, my goal is I feel like the, the past few years we've been you know starting off very slow, two and five you know, three and six, if I could spin like the common thread. So, you know, my goal is to start off hot and, and keep going and, uh, and see what we can do. We're talking with Lane Johnson, Philadelphia Eagles right tackle here on Canty and Carlin. Lane, before we let you go, I remember last year in November, your sit down um, about mental health and, and anxiety that you had battled throughout your career and, and throughout your life. And I'm wondering kind of a two-part question here, the reaction that you received from others in the NFL, um, what was that like in being able to share your story, maybe share it with teammates? And what's the reaction you've gotten from guys who maybe haven't been comfortable talking about their journey and, and mental yeah. health struggles that they've dealt with and, you know, giving them a voice to say, Hey, it's okay to talk about this. Yeah, well, I noticed uh, a lot of former players are, aren't doing so good. A lot of them struggle a lot in silence. Uh, I think, you know, when this came out, a lot of the college community came out, a lot of guys in college that are dealing with the same thing, which is where kind of my stuff began. You know, as you start the journey in college and trying to make an NFL, dealing with the pressures. But really, um, you know, starting a conversation is to uh, get yourself educated on it and, and then get around educated people because you see – you know, a lot of uh, former NFL guys not doing well, you know, having having lots of issues and, and just to realize to uh, you let your guard down and uh, and focus on yourself where you become the best version of yourself, you can you can have the best life possible and you can affect others in a positive way. So, yeah, I mean, I'm not the first one. I mean, there's lots of guys that, that, have, that have gone through this. And I, I think now more than ever, uh, people are getting help and, uh, you know, not having to suffer this, as much. Yeah, but you have a very important voice and a, and a big platform here, and I know that it's impacted a lot of people. And you know, sincerely appreciate the honest candor that you've you've given and when you've spoken on this topic. Really appreciate it, and also really appreciate you jumping on with us here uh, on this yeah. Thursday afternoon. Thanks so much, Lane. Yep. Thank y'all. That's Lane Johnson, Philadelphia Eagles offensive tackle, joining Courtney Cronin and Chris Canty here on Canty and Carlin. Straight ahead, the NFL schedule release. We've talked about it ad nauseum this week because it is an event. And now we know that Russell Wilson is heading back to Seattle. And NFL Week 4 will feature Mahomes and Brady. Diving straight into the schedule release next here on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Tired of ads interrupting your favorite sports podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music, included with your Prime membership. Amazon Music offers the most ad-free top podcasts. Enjoy shows like First Take, Pardon the Interruption, and The Low Post, available ad-free and uninterrupted. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app or go to Amazon.com slash ESPN Pods. That's Amazon.com slash ESPN Pods to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. 
Go ahead and get your revenge game storylines in order for the 2022 NFL season because new Denver Broncos quarterback Russell Wilson is heading back to where it all began in week one. The Broncos take on the Seattle Seahawks on Monday night football. It is NFL schedule release day. There's a bunch of games that are just starting to trickle out. We'll get into a couple of them here on Canty and Carlin ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. But this one, certainly a blockbuster matchup, Chris Canty, between the Seahawks and the Denver Broncos. Let's go, Courtney. Let's go. A little bit of news, though, we have to get into here with the Denver Broncos. Wide receiver Jerry Judy has reportedly been taken into custody by the Arapahoe County Sheriff's Department. There's not any sort of news surrounding the specifics of his arrest, but ESPN senior writer Jeff Legwald, who covers the Denver Broncos, is reporting that around 11.30 a.m. this morning, Mountain Time, Jerry Judy was uh, arrested and taken into custody. We will keep you updated on what that means for the Denver Broncos, what it means for Jerry Judy, but certainly something to keep an eye on here for a team that is got a marquee matchup, a a big one coming up on Monday Night Football for Russell Wilson. I don't think the stakes are any higher uh, for any quarterback for, to start out the season than going back to the place that built him into a superstar and a place that he ultimately left this offseason via a trade. Yeah, I love the level of petty by the NFL not <laughs> making us wait for that matchup between the Broncos and the Seahawks because there had been smoke out in Seattle for the last two or three off-seasons. Russell Wilson, Pete Carroll, John Snyder, not all seeing eye-to-eye, and Russ making overtures that he wanted to be moved, he wanted to be traded out of the organization. He finally got his wish this year because, from a cap standpoint, it was feasible for the Seattle Seahawks to move on. But I love the fact that Russ can now go with the team that's going to be, you know, his team, a team that he's going to have a lot of say, a lot of sway, a lot of input in, mm-hmm. has the chance to make a statement in week one. It's an opportunity for Russ to reassert himself as one of those elite quarterbacks, but also Russ to show Pete Carroll and John Snyder there was another way of doing business, and what it could have been in Seattle will now be in Denver for the foreseeable. Because Russell Wilson is, what, 33 years old, Courtney? You're talking about having a lot of runway as far as quarterbacks go being 33 years old, Russell Wilson potentially playing for the next five to seven years out in Mile High Stadium. Yeah, he's in the AFC West now, arguably the toughest division in football. Everybody went out and got defensive linemen, got pass rushers this offseason in that division, and every team has a quarterback, including the Los Angeles Chargers, who when you're looking for schedule release day, you're looking for teams that do this thing creatively, look no further than the Los Angeles Chargers Twitter account. They are announcing all of their uh, opponents. Actually, we've known their opponents. Their schedule will just come out later tonight, but they decided that they were going to liken their 2022 opponents to Pop-Tarts, so go check out that thread on Twitter. It's great. Kyler Murray is the Pop-Tart Mini Crisps, uh, which is just absolutely cold because we know so that they're playing. Um, that's a play on his height. Uh, and what are some other ones? DK Metcalf is the Black Coffee Pop-Tart because, remember, a couple of weeks ago he said all he has is a couple cups of coffee, uh, one meal, and candy every single day. I wish I lived that yeah. life. Um Blueberry Pop-Tarts, that's uh, Ryan Tannehill in an all-navy blue Titans uniform. There's some really good ones here. The Los Angeles Chargers are crushing it on social media with their 2022 opponents ahead of the schedule release tonight. Another team in the AFC West, 
that made some news earlier today with their leaked schedule. Uh, week four matchup between the Kansas City Chiefs and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. That meeting will happen down at Raymond James Stadium in Tampa Bay. Of course, both these teams, Chris, come into the season with Super Bowl aspirations and Super Bowl expectations by and large. Um, who do you think has a better shot of actually reaching the Super Bowl next year? I'm going to roll with the odds makers and what Vegas has to say about it, Courtney, and that would be the Tampa Bay Buccaneers who are plus 800, second shortest odds to win the Super Bowl behind the Buffalo Bills. Kansas City checks in at third at plus 900, so not far behind. But I'll say this, Tampa has an easier road. They're in the easier conference. When you look at true title contenders in the NFC, you're talking about a handful of teams. You got three teams in the AFC West that can make a claim that they could potentially go on a title run, not to mention the Cincinnati Bengals who represented the conference in the Super Bowl a year ago, the Baltimore Ravens who have an MVP quarterback in Lamar Jackson, the Buffalo Bills, the only team with a top five offense and a top five defense returning in 2022. So, I mean, there are a lot of teams that you can point to that could potentially go on a Super Bowl run out of the AFC Whereas in the NFC, you're talking about the defending chance with the Rams, the Tampa Bay Bucks, the Green Bay Packers, and everybody else is just the possible. So mm-hmm. I, I just feel like Tampa, it's setting up for Tampa to waltz into the playoffs by virtue of the division that they play in. And then you're talking about them really only having to contend with two other, two other teams that from a personnel standpoint are at their same level. It is a rematch of Super Bowl 55 between Mahomes and Tom Brady. Brady is 3-2 and two all-time in games against the Kansas City Chiefs quarterback. Uh, he played with both the New England Patriots and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to culminate that record. And you'll remember the Tampa Bay Buccaneers beat the Chiefs 31-9 in Super Bowl 55 behind three touchdown passes from Tom Brady. He was the game's MVP. He recorded his record seventh career title in that one. Mahomes struggled behind not having an offensive line in that game. He had a foot inter- foot injury as well. He threw two interceptions. So very excited that we're going to see an early rematch of the Super Bowl in week four between the Kansas City Chiefs and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And maybe that'll foreshadow uh, one team or maybe even two teams that will head to the Super Bowl in 2023. If you're on the Canty call-in line right now, stick around. We're going to take your calls. The question I threw out earlier as we switch gears back to the NBA, how much of the outcome of Game 6 between the Miami Heat and the Philadelphia 76ers will determine Doc Rivers' future in Philadelphia? Nate and Penn, I see you on the line. Hang on. We're going to get to your calls on the other side of this break here on Canty and Carlin, ESPN Radio, ESPN app. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com.
Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Chris Canty, Courtney Cronin kicking it with you on this Thursday afternoon, taking you into coverage, pregame coverage, of Miami and Philadelphia Game 6 of the Eastern Conference semifinals beginning right here uh, at 6.30 p.m. Eastern time on most ESPN radio stations. We're asking you how much of the outcome of Game 6 will determine Doc Rivers' future in Philadelphia. Let's hit the phones. Nate in Penn, you're on ESPN Radio. What's going on? Hey, uh, good afternoon. I just wondered if Doc Rivers is fired, uh, who would be your replacement candidate for him? Nate, thanks so much for the call. It's a good question, and one I want to pose first. Like, the reports that came out and some of the rumors about the Los Angeles Lakers coaching search. Don't feel bad for Doc Rivers necessarily because he might not be without a job long. He's been linked to the Lakers opening, but who would you think if it's not Mike D'Antoni? Do you think it's like ultimately Mike D'Antoni here? Are they siding with James Harden on this, or do you think they go a different direction if they part ways with Doc, with, no, uh, Doc Rivers? I don't think it's going to be D'Antoni just because show me the D'Antoni team, the D'Antoni offense that features a big man. Like, you just don't find it. You don't see it. Uh, and so this next coaching hire, if the Sixers do, in fact, fire Doc Rivers this year, it's going to be funneled through Joel Embiid, and rightfully so. You're talking about somebody that had a claim to be this year's MVP and finished second in the voting. So I would absolutely expect Embiid to have a say in it. I, I think it's going to be fascinating, some of the potential names that are out there. Uh, Courtney, I floated the name Jay Wright out there. I was just to about Jay to bring Williams. that one up. Mm-hmm. And, and Jay Williams from KJM. Didn't necessarily love the idea of Jay Wright being the next head coach, but we were able to acknowledge that the Philadelphia 76ers organization and ownership has had this open love affair with Jay Wright and potentially keeping him in Philadelphia and keeping him coaching. Um, So it it would be interesting if Philly decided to go that direction, but I think it'll be one of the most attractive jobs in, in the landscape of the NBA because you're coaching Joel Embiid, a cornerstone type of player. So, I think they'll be able to have a really quality candidate if, in fact, they do fire Doc Rivers. Jay Wright is such a fascinating name, Chris, because I remember when they fired Brett Brown, he was a name that came up uh, in August of 2020. So his name's already been linked to this job. I know that he said he's retired from the college game, but maybe an NBA job would entice him to change his mind and stick around the coaching ranks. It is a very talented team. You have Joel Embiid, someone who's played at an MVP caliber here, caliber level here this season. You also have James Harden, and uh, maybe he needs a new coach to revive his talents on the floor Maybe not. Straight ahead, we're going to keep an eye out on the NFL schedule release coming up on ESPN Radio. All right, time for a little respect it or check it here on Canty and Carlin, ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80, and streaming live on ESPN Plus. Our producer extraordinaire, Shannon Penn, teeing Chris and I up on a multitude of topics where we either pass the buck or end up agreeing with it. Shannon, where are we starting out with this? Hold on, hold on, Courtney. Before we even kick it to Shannon, we got to make sure that everybody understands with our segment, it's respect with a K at the end of it, not a T. Respect it or check it. Respect it or check it because it's got to have that kind of emphasis. It's got to be strong because Shannon is coming with these hot takes. So we got to let them know whether or not we agree with it or whether we got to shut it down completely. So, Shannon, without further ado. We're coming with that respect it. Ten seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships. Your skills. 
your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? <laughs> Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. All right, here we go. Respect it or check it today. Courtney, I will start with you with this first question. You got to tell me if you're going to put some respect on this or not. The Phoenix Suns title hopes fall squarely on the shoulders of one Chris Paul. You respect it or check it? I respect that, and I, I wish I didn't have to because at 37 years old, I don't want to put that on Chris Paul's shoulders, but I have been so pensive to go all in on this Suns team as the team to come out of the West and to say that you know it's going they need more than Chris Paul is an understatement here. I think that they have a young core that can do it, but man – Chris Paul is the guy for them. Everything funnels through him. It shouldn't, but it does, which is why he's going to need to be the guy to help them get out of this series with Dallas, and it does fall squarely on him, Chris. Yeah, respect it. I mean, if everybody's healthy, then Chris Paul is arguably the most important cog to the Suns' title aspirations because he's the one that sets the table for everybody. He's the floor general. He's the guy that can create shots for himself and for other guys, and we've seen throughout the playoffs, whether you want to point to the New Orleans Pelican series or you want to point to game two of this series, when you got to get a bucket, when you got to shut down uh, the opposing team and you got to make sure you make plays uh, on offense, Chris Paul has that ability. 14 points in the fourth quarter in game two to close the door on the Dallas Mavs. They need Chris Paul's playmaking at the end of the game because if they don't get it from him, you're not going to get it from a whole lot of other people. I mean, outside of him and D-Book, you don't have a whole lot of guys that can create shots for themselves and for others. So Chris Paul is a key cog. And I got to say this, Courtney, the last three games, yeah, it's, they not haven't trend- had it. it's not trending in the right direction if you're a Phoenix Suns fan as far as Chris Paul's game is concerned. Yeah, seven points in game five for Chris Paul in 35 minutes, three of eight shooting. Yeah, Ten assists it. in that game, but, man, you need a higher scoring output from your floor general. And, you know, before that, five points in game four, 12 uh, in game three. He's had some double-digit figures here. Go ahead and uh, bring up the performances from the Pelicans, those two games before they ended the series, 22 and 33 points. That's what they need to see from Chris Paul here in game six. All right, Shannon, what's next? All right, Chris, not only did the Celtics lose a game five, but I'll say this, the Celtics fumbled away this series. Are you going to respect it or check it? I'm going to respect it, Shannon, and I don't know that this series is all the way over, but the reason why I'm going to respect it is, Because of the way that the Boston Celtics played in the second half of Game 5, they deserve to lose this series. They deserve to lose that game last night, and that's what happened because the Milwaukee Bucks took it away from them. But they actually deserved to lose the series. And it was stupid basketball, right? It was the turnovers. It was getting beat to sleep on the offensive glass. And then, Shannon, the thing that really, really gets me the most is the poor shot selection at the end of the third quarter and the beginning of the fourth quarter. There was ample opportunity for Boston to extend their lead, especially when Coach Bud decided to sit uh, Giannis for a couple of minutes, and they didn't do that. So I'm going to respect it. 
Boston fumbled the bag. We're probably talking about the defending champs moving on to the Eastern Conference Finals. I'm going to check it. I don't think that the Celtics are done just yet. I think they can force a Game 7 here, but that's going to come down to Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown taking the next step in their careers and proving that they are a duo that's capable of putting a team on their back and getting their team out of this series. Like, they're very, very good players right now. They're developing into prime players in the NBA. This is their moment, Chris, where they're able to step up into the limelight and help their team force a Game 7. It's the most significant moment of their careers. So that's why I don't think that the Boston Celtics are done. I think you have two young, very hungry players who are willing and capable of doing that. But if they don't... I'll go ahead and respect it. In a, respect in a couple days, I will. Uh, but not right yet. I'm going to check that one. All right. Last and certainly not least, Courtney, I'll start with you on this one. LeBron James will finish his career as a member of the Los Angeles Lakers. Are you going to respect it or are you going to check it? I'm going to check it if Phil Jackson really is running this search and has as much of a say in it as we have been led to believe. Bill Plaschke, Chris, of the Los Angeles Times, a day after the interview with Jeannie Buss drops, he all of a sudden comes out and says uh, on, on a podcast that he's heard Phil Jackson wants to trade LeBron James. So I think we know where that might have come from here. I will mm-hmm. go ahead and say that LeBron James will not finish his career as a member of the Los Angeles Lakers because it does sound like Phil Jackson has the ear still of Jeannie Buss, and they're probably going to try to find a way to move on and rebuild without him. What do you think? Yeah, I'm going to check it too, and I know LeBron James is in L.A. for reasons other than basketball, all of the businesses, all of the interest that he has off the court. It's the perfect place to shut up, set up shop and do business, and oh, by the way, I get to play basketball for an iconic franchise, a team that I helped to win a title a couple of years ago. But I'll say this, LeBron James wants to play with his son, Bronny. I think that's a real thing. I don't envision that that's going to happen with the Los Angeles Lakers. So that's another big reason why I could absolutely see a world where LeBron James does not finish his career with the L.A. Lakers. This is Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app. We're playing Respect It or Check It. And to your point about where LeBron James could best fit with his son, Bronny, we know that LeBron is 37 years old. He's toyed around with the idea of playing, you know, maybe two more years. Bronny James not far from his introduction to the NBA. But it doesn't feel like this Lakers team, knowing the power that it gave LeBron James this past offseason to go get Russell Westbrook, that they're going to go do that again. And I know that it would be a great storyline here to be able to have him play with the Sun to orchestrate that sort of thing happening. But if you have another bad season, if you're the Los Angeles Lakers and you're looking at a high draft pick and who knows where Bronny James is going to go in the draft, do you really think that you're going to let LeBron James, who's on the outs of his career at that point, orchestrate your draft strategy to be able to go get his son? Probably not, and if you're the Los Angeles Lakers trying to spin it forward, you're looking at all of the players that you have on that team. The only asset that you have that other people would want is LeBron James. Mm-hmm. There really is nobody else that anybody else would want. It's not want. Russell Anthony, Westbrook. It's not Russell Westbrook, and Anthony Davis can't stay healthy. I mean, think about it. You're talking about him missing you know, a third of the games that, that they're asking him to play in, so that's a problem. So I, I don't envision that. I don't see LeBron James finishing his career as a Laker. I think he needs to try to see if he can work things out with Pat Riley in Miami, but maybe that's just wishful thinking.